My name is Sirab Najaman, and I am CEO and co-founder of Web Ghana. This, this, is, this is Diversified Game Game. A podcast giving entrepreneurial advice from a diverse and inclusive perspective with Kelly. He may agree, he may oppose, and it's more than just race, it's about, you know, ideas. So, let the game begin. Hey, it's Kellen, and today on Diversified Game, I have the creator of Where Ghana, Abena, our sister all the way from Ghana. She is a Della Washington fellow, and she's in Ghana because she said us Americans right now is just too crazy and too contagious to be around. <laughs> but she's going to give us the game on fashion in Ghana and why she started this business. Welcome to the show. How are you doing, my sister? I am fine. Thank you so much. And I didn't say none of that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I made I made that. My my audience that most of them are listeners. They they understand when I put a little Maggie into the flavor, into the soup or onto the chicken. So, you know, see she's more than welcome. I actually I'd be the one who I'd rather be where you're at. Um, because prom prom is calling my name and I need that in my life. But Let's talk about how you created your business. And a lot of people want to know when you start a business, did you start with your own money or did you have help? And if you had help, how did you go about getting help? Because people struggle with starting because they say, I don't have any CDs. I don't have any US dollars. I don't even have, you know, any CFA. Or anything. Hello. But yes, I have a question that you asked. Okay. And I, I have a question that you asked just before I went off, which was, how did I get, get started? Did we have funding? Am I correct? Correct. Okay. So um, we launched Wear Ghana in 2013. And the way that it started was that my... When I was in college, I met this lady. We became best friends. I went on from school to work with. Um, so New York University has a study abroad site here in Ghana. And I went on to, to do some work with them. And then we realized just how much the, the, the students coming from all over the world would be excited about our wax prints. And so it, it, it sort of dropped a seed. But then I went on to work with a financial institution and along the line realized that that seed that had been had been planted, I needed to go and focus on it. Just about that time, my co-founder, who I mentioned that I met in, in college, had also left a telecommunications job, gone to fashion school and had graduated. So we decided to come together and launch the brand, the Wear Ghana brand. Did we start with money? No, we didn't. We started with a dream. And for us, the, the, the main thing, so our vision as the company is to become Africa's most loved brand. And all that we are doing, the big fire behind it is our love for Africa and our belief in Africa. And so, so, so at the end of the day, we have come from two industries, telecommunications and, and banking, and seen how big businesses, international businesses could be built in those sectors. And we couldn't understand why in Ghana, we didn't have 
any fashion businesses that that were like that. So this is what got us started. Um, as we've come to find out seven years down the line, building a global business is a lot of work, but it's still the, the vision that we have to be able to build a global business right here from Ghana, born here, who lived here, who were educated here, because you don't have a lot of examples of that. Often when you see people doing great things here in Ghana and also the rest of the continent, there is the, the, the tendency is that the person was either born outside Africa and then came back to, to do this. And, and we think that our story is inspiration for the, the, the millions of young Africans who, who were born here, educated here, to know that it is possible to build global businesses from here. Well, you tapped into something. Let's just go right into it. Nobody else may ask you this question, but I want to know from somebody born in Ghana and seeing the changes in Ghana and with the year of return, bringing so many abronies uh, mm-hmm. over and so many <laughs> folks ready to, you know, capitalize and connect even with, you know, where they found their lineages from. What are your thoughts about the massive, especially the black Americans? I don't want to touch the Chinese yet because mm-hmm. that's a whole different question. <laughs> Black Americans coming over because we come over with an energy mm-hmm. of we know we know when many of us don't even know history or geography. Um, but mm. because we read certain books, we say, Oh, Kwame mm. okay, okay, we, we know this African <laughs> Um, what are your feelings about the black American coming to, you know, come back home, so to speak? You know, how has it been mm. in your because they too are trying to get into fashion and mm-hmm. you know do you have any of them working for you or what are your thoughts about them I don't want to put mm-hmm. words in your house because people will take those Please words don't. And, you said that, <laughs> and it's no it's Kellen saying that all this so your words are <laughs> yeah, so Kellen, I didn't say any of that once again. What are our thoughts about the diaspora coming back? We receive them with open arms. This is home for the diaspora. And in fact, when it comes to our, our target markets, we are very keen on making clothes for Africans here in Africa, as well as the international Black community. Um, so in terms of, of who we want to reach with our products, the way we describe our clothing is that it's wearable monuments of African excellence. This is the business that we are in. We are very welcoming of, of, of the diaspora wanting to come because everyone stands to benefit from, from, from the diaspora, bringing the expertise and also the worldview that they come in with. Um, so it's a win-win situation for everyone. And yes, you are right. The year of return was massive. There was a lot of people from all over the world that came to Ghana and a lot of misconceptions that were corrected. So people coming in and realizing, wow, this is very different from from anything that we've been seeing on the internet of what Africa looks like and what an African is and and what products can be made in Africa. Um, So yes, we are very welcoming of, of the diaspora that's coming in. And we might, depending on what you want to talk about, we might want to leave some pointers on what should one look out for, for example, or what kind of mindsets would thrive here. 
Well, I, you know what? I've actually have a course. And after this interview, whether the listeners are yes. you, they actually see the ad mm-hmm. for prepare for my first trip to Africa. I, I have had, I've had, yes, I've heard of that. I've had that my first trip to Africa, yes. Okay, That's okay. great, Kellen. If you if you remind me and if you're interested, I can send you a um, behind the scenes look of what I'm I'm doing because you could tell me, hey, you got it right, you got it right. Or I would love to. Yes. Also add this. I, I'm taking all opinions. Um, my wife, being from Cameroon, um, okay. she 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 really um, you know pushed me to do this course because she said. Many Americans don't get it. And the complaints that people mm. say about Africa, you know, we found a way to make them avoidable when we choose, you know, mm-hmm. like power. You could have a generator, you could have solar mm-hmm. now. So it's not like it mm-hmm. used to be, especially if you have coins in your pocket. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. But, but I, I'm going to move on. I'm going to move on to the, the more positive stuff. Because one thing I love about your clothing, and maybe you'll mm-hmm. tell me I'm wrong on this. But I'm seeing twenty dollar in U.S. You know, 120 CDs, twenty dollars. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now in the states, I almost want to order everything when I see it at that price. Mm-hmm. But with shipping, mm-hmm. if somebody's ordering from the mm-hmm. from you know wherever outside of Ghana. How much more is it to ship to a Florida, to a New York City, a California? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that great question. Great, great, great question. And I'll start answering by quoting something that Jeff Bezos said once, and he was talking about why Amazon has been successful. And one of the things he said was, there was infrastructure that was built upon which entrepreneurs like him could build upon. Here in Africa, we are at the point where that infrastructure is now being built. So when you talk about shipping costs, they are quite high. Um, we can ship to Florida. If it's a one set, we would ship to Florida and it would be about the cost of the item that you're buying if it's that one set. But what we've done as a business is also to find solutions around how we can make it more cost effective for our customers. So for example, for the shipping partner that we work with, if you were buying up to about three items, the shipping cost is flat. So then if you calculate the the price per item, shipping price per item, then it begins to make a lot more sense, which would mean that we are spending maybe just about five, seven dollars shipping each item in. But here's also what we want to do as a company to make it even better. We're looking for partnerships. We are looking for shops to stock. We are looking for people who will be our stockists across the continent because, like I said, we are very interested in clothing Africa and also in in places like the U.S. where we have seen a lot of demand for our products so that we have sort of like a fulfillment center and all of that shipment cost doesn't have to be borne by that one customer. But at this point also, let me say a big thank you to all our international customers who still, in spite of the, 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 the cost of shipping, make these purchases because so if you're buying a shirt for and this is high quality stuff high quality stuff that's actually contributing to the progress of 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 the motherland and so if you're buying the shirt for 20 dollars and you're having it shipped in in 
you are spending, let's say, $37 thereabouts on their entire thing, it compares, still compares quite well to, to some of the products that you have there that, that can be compared to the quality that they are providing. Um, so, yes. Okay. And with clothing, here's another question everybody asks. Mm -hmm. well, how do I know if it's going to fit me? I might have lots. Mm -hmm. Not. Um, and, you know, your mm -hmm. clothes are a bit of black woman, but a black woman has so many different forms and curves mm -hmm. and sizes. How have you guys worked that out to, you know, so people can get their measurements right? Because it will cost mm -hmm. you much to send back. You might as well give it to yeah. a, or a thicker cousin or a sister or something mm -hmm. before you mm -hmm. send it back. But how have you guys worked that out? So what we've done is, first of all, even in the choice of the clothes that we make, we are making clothes that have a give. So there's room for, it's it's not um, um, something that if it didn't, it has to be this particular size. So for example, the fabric we are using, it has stretch in it so that when you are buying, even if it's plus or minus a few inches, it still works. But what we usually do is a consultation process where we are asking questions like, so what size would you wear in the U.S.? If you're a U.S. 4, this is how it translates into the wear Ghana 4. And we are going through pictures and all of that. That currently isn't very possible on the website because on the website, you are going in there to choose your size. But on the website, what you would then see would be how it compares to the various sizes in, 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 in the US or UK that you might be ordering from. And, and we've, had, we've had a very good experience with, with in terms of sizes. Our return rate is, is really, really low. And when there are those situations, we have a conversation to know how, how we can resolve it for, for us and the customer. Yeah, because it's so difficult sometimes because, you know, I, I sit at about 200 pounds, but like you had said before this interview, you know, Kellen, do you work out every day? Do you ever take a day off? I'm joking, folks. She didn't say all that. But I, ha I have to, you know, you got to boost yourself up. Charity, charity starts at home. <laughs> you know, there's certain shirts, some things are going to be a large, and then sometimes I'm shocked. I'm like, wait, my muscles can still fit in a medium? So, you know, how do you figure out for like a 200-pound man that's, you know, almost six foot, but he's not there unless he's on his tippy toes, like, this is, mm -hmm. the, you're in a large, or you need an extra large, like, how, mm -hmm. you know, is it just us measuring ourselves at home and giving our best estimates? So, so well, when it comes to people measuring themselves, we always take it with a pinch of salt because the, the tip measure will always tell you something. And so in that consultation process, one of the things that we've had to become very good at is how to estimate people's sizes using pictures. So, for example, we would ask you, send us three full-length pictures of yourself that are representative of what you look like now. Because if you sent us pictures from two years ago, that's not very helpful. And, and, and using that, we are able to, to do some very good guesswork of what size you would wear. We would also, for example, if we were still not sure, ask you to take pictures of some shirts that we have the labels so that we are sure of exactly what size you wear. I'm still going back to pointing out that on the website, this, this, this consultation process 
it's not available if you just went on there and picked your size. So if you did that, then it should be because you are very sure of the size that you are getting. Um, but outside of that, we are on Facebook, we are on Instagram, we are on, yes, we are on WhatsApp as well, Ghana, W-E-A-R-G-H-A-N-A. Just send us a message and we are very happy to go through that consultation process to be sure that the item that you are getting, it's it's exactly what, what size it should be in. I'm sending you, you personally, my stuff. So mm-hmm. look out for the, the email. Um, I'll, try to, I'll try to keep my shirt on, but if, mm-hmm. I, if I take it off, <laughs> then, I'm, then I'm just auditioning for the next model pick, right? That's, that's what I'm doing. <laughs> You don't even have to audition. (laughs) (laughs) You've got the job. You've got the job already. Thank you. Yes, I I got it. I got it. So I represent, (laughs) you know, big time influencers who love Mm -hmm. African wear. They've grown to love Mm -hmm. it. But, you know, Mm -hmm. a lot of times you have to, when you go to Africa, it's like, okay, let's get it custom made. And are, mm-hmm. if you buy it in America, it's either, if it's on Amazon, everybody in mm-hmm. the world might have it. And it doesn't look the same because mm-hmm. it's coming from China. Mm-hmm. So my question to you is, mm-hmm. is, the stuff is made in Ghana. And mm-hmm. um, how many, you know, designs do you make of each shirt so everybody's not wearing the same thing? Mm. Right, I've got you. So, so yes. Our staff is made in Ghana. We are very big on insurance. So let me just backtrack and talk about what our mission is, and then I'll tie it to the question that you asked. So our mission sits on three pillars that we are very passionate about. One is promoting African excellence. Two is inspiring the next generation of African entrepreneurs. And three is creating opportunities for women. Um, And in doing so, one, we ensure that our production currently, it's all based here in Ghana, but we are working on a regional expansion plan that will see us working with factories across the continent. So production is absolutely done here. And in terms of who does our production, we are very female biased. We currently have an all-woman production team, and we are using this to create meaningful livelihoods for for, um, women who are often from um, and the privileged communities. Now, to the question of um, how many pieces do we make of each item? So our model sits somewhere in the middle between, so it's ready to wear. It's definitely a ready to wear product in terms of the, the designs that we come up with. We work in collections. Um, so you'd have this collection and it's available in these sizes. And here are the styles under each collection. The thing that makes it unique is, first of all, the style is very unique. We are very big on creating our own style because sometimes the problem that we are describing is because there's a style that's being copied and everyone is making it. And so what you might be wearing would be, might be coming from a different designer and yet it's looking exactly like what someone else is wearing from another designer. We don't have that because we create our own styles. On top of that, in terms of the fabric combinations, we play around with it a lot. So that even if it's the same style, because of how many different color ways that we are offering, and in terms of the wax print combinations, there's always that different thing. 
And while we hope and pray and are working towards a day when we are making a million pieces of each design because we are, we are looking to build a global business and that's where we are headed. But currently, we are not making that many that if Kellen puts it in the States, that he would see a lot of other people wearing the exact same thing. You would, you would be happy and very proud to see that there are people who are patronizing our brand in, in, in the States, but you would know that there are differences in terms of the peace that you have and what other people have. Well, no, that is good because, you know, we always like to try to be unique. We like to try mm-hmm. to, you know, our, our, I tell people I don't buy clothes in America. I wait till I go to Africa or I leave the country unless I see something mm-hmm. very, very mm-hmm. unique. You know, I'll be mm-hmm. in, 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 you know, Brixton or something and I'll say, oh, no one has that jacket. That's one of a kind. I bought jackets mm-hmm. like that. And mm-hmm. so when you see those mm-hmm. pieces, mm-hmm. you just know. And um with that though, I don't my, my I don't buy clothes. I'm buying art pieces. When I hang them up exactly. in my closet, mm-hmm. it's art. So I'm wearing your art. Mm-hmm. Are you the main mm-hmm. designer as well as the founder of the company? So I am co-founder. My I play the role of CEO. My co-founder is creative director. So whilst when we when we started, we we're both doing design. But now that we are growing and everyone has to focus on different areas, my, my co-founder is creative director. So she is in charge of design. Okay. And her name is Angoko Naipade. Okay, so and she's in charge of design. Let me ask you, does she have any background mm-hmm. in designing for, you know, um, the movies in Ghana? Has she, you know, done any of the, the films there? So she hasn't done films, but she went to find school um my my journey into fashion is very inexplicable because i have a science background and then i read agriculture economics then went into banking and then now i'm in fashion so that doesn't make any sense she has always had the visual arts background and went to do some work in telecommunications but then after that went to fashion school and and then we we started the business together Okay. Okay. I, I just wanted to know, so if, you know, people sometimes when they see things on Netflix and they see the designs and mm-hmm. say, oh, I'm wearing mm-hmm. what so-and-so is wearing. And, and mm-hmm. I'm not really digging mm-hmm. to, I'm not big into brands. I'm big into, again, the art and that piece just mm-hmm. looks like something that fits me and that I should be wearing. Mm-hmm. Now, mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. the your business is fresh, it's, it's new, it's blossoming still, but I want to know. Yeah, can you hear me? Yes, but I didn't hear what you said, the last okay. thing that you said. Your, your business is blossoming. I want to know, mm-hmm. with success comes give back. So I want to know, what mm-hmm. is a community give back that you are doing or that you would like to do mm-hmm. in the future? So, so, so for us, impact. I know that now impact is such a catchphrase and, and everyone talks about impact, but we truly are a company that likes to pay it forward and to bring people along. Um, just when we turned one, we did a donation to... So if anyone has been to Ghana, you know that the northern part of Ghana is particularly impoverished. And there's a 
clinic there called the Shakina Clinic, um, run by an amazing gentleman who passed away very recently. But it's a clinic that runs for free. And when we turned one, we did a donation, although at one we barely had any money. We put our little monies together, did a fundraiser, and did a donation to that clinic. And I'll talk about some of the recent projects that we've worked on. There's one that we are particularly, particularly proud of, and it's called Jose. Jose in Ewe, which is one of our local dialects, means hope. And again, the, there's a situation in Ghana where people travel from the northern parts, which, like I just mentioned, is quite impoverished, to come to the south to look for opportunities. And many of these women, particularly women, would come and would be faced with very, very harsh situations, having to live in marketplaces on the streets and have to fight off rape and all of that. And so in 2019, we launched this project, Jose. And the aim is to connect vulnerable women, particularly with opportunities in corporate Ghana. And the way that we launched it was to pick eight of these women. We call them Kayaye here in Ghana, which means headquarters. So how they make their living is when people go to the market to shop, and these are huge, huge, huge loads. They actually carry them on their heads. This is how they make their, their living. So we, we brought, we took eight of these women, and there were two other gentlemen, also street boys. And we taught them how to model because for us, we see fashion as, as a force of good. And we've, we, there's this story of this model in Nigeria. She used to sell bread on the street. She was hawking bread. There was a photo shoot going on. She very randomly was passing by, camera caught her. The crew goes back to the States, sees the pictures. They're like, who is this woman? She must be a model finds her in Nigeria, and now she's a supermodel. I forget her name. So this is something we wanted to replicate. So we taught them how to model. We also took them through a series of sessions on financial literacy, on the importance of education, and, and stuff like that. And then on the night for the launch, we had invited dignitaries. We had ambassadors. We had people from corporate Ghana, and these ladies were the models. Now, the kind of transformation that happened, so uh, the interaction that we had with them was about a period of a month of training. And I remember how when we first went into the market to recruit them, they, they laughed at us, they themselves. They, couldn't be, they thought we were crazy that, what? First of all, who is a model? And once we had showed them pictures of Tyra Banks and all of the international models, they're like, what are you thinking that you are saying we can be models? Um, but during this period of training and, and, and transformation, we did before and after photo shoots. And even for us, it was quite the journey. But for the ladies... That was a huge paradigm shift. You could literally see how all the things that they have thought about what their lives were going to be were just changing. And that was just the launch. The plan was in 2020 to really roll the program out and then look for opportunities in corporate Ghana and match them to it. Unfortunately, once Corona struck, we had to put it on hold. But we are very happy that even after this one month training, we've had about three of them go back to school. And very recently we were, so on Instagram, some, a gentleman sends us a message and he's wearing one of our clothes. 
and he's a model. So we say we think that it's just a mod, uh, um, any model who has sent us a picture in our clothes. So we just give him a shout out and say, oh, thank you for wearing it. And he says, I know you don't recognize me, but I was one of the gentlemen that you worked with during that project. And now I'm actually a professional model. And we nearly cried ourselves <laughs> sick that day. But that was the kind of impact that that period had been able to make. So we are really looking forward to rolling the full project out because we know that in terms of the transformation that will occur in, in some of these vulnerable communities, it will be huge. Again, during the lockdown, we partnered with an NGO called Food for All Africa. During the lockdown last year, we partnered with an NGO called Food for All Africa. And although business was tough during that time because operations had been hit, we were donating 5% of all our proceeds and then also doing fundraising from uh, our customers, our friends, everyone that we knew to be able to provide food, food packs and essential so sanitizers and soaps to vulnerable communities and those who were hardest hit by by the pandemic. So these are some of the things that we work on, but at our very core, like I've mentioned what our mission is, we are a company that wants to use the business of fashion to really transform the continent. And, and that's what we are happy to wake up every day to work on. No, I love that. I, I, I really, really love it. And I can hear the passion of the give back. Sometimes you ask people that and they, oh, you know, our, our uh, corporate, Social responsibility is, you know, for every time you buy this, you do that. But I can hear how mm -hmm. you guys are, are really feeling that. Now, Ghana is great at, you know, a lot of things. I mean, you, the year return was just one of the things. You know, you guys are like number two or three and, you know, football with the Black Stars, only to be followed by, you know, mm -hmm. Cameroon. Nigeria, you guys definitely beat mm. Nigeria in the Jell-Off Wars, coming to number third, you know, with Senegal being number one and Cameroon being number two. You see the love I'm showing y'all, right? Um, uh, totally biased, but um, Nigerian shouldn't cook Jell-Off rice. They should stick to a goosey and okra, but that's, a, that's another show. Um, <laughs> the, the, you know, Ghana is so rich and we see so much of uh, even the Chinese I was talking about earlier coming in. Are mm -hmm. you intimidated? Mm -hmm. Are you happy with the infrastructure that the Chinese have come in to bring into your country? Let me answer your question in this way. If you look at how Africa is set up in terms of how we produce, in terms of how distribution happens in terms of consumption. So if you look at the patterns around this, you will see that it's still very reflective of our colonial history. So Africa still, in terms of the patterns of production, is a producer of raw materials for the to the large extent, which then gets shipped out. And then um, value is added outside of the continent a premium is slapped on it and there goes africa importing it again and this doesn't make any sense because everyone knows that while we are very rich when it comes to natural resources we are still finding our way when it comes to creating wealth so it doesn't make sense that we produce the raw materials we have it shipped out and then we buy it at a premium once value has been added for us whenever there's the question of 
Africa rising and, and Africa becoming prosperous, we, we are asking the question of Africa rising for who? Who is, is this? Who is this enriching? So with all the development that happens, we want to go to the roots and see who is becoming wealthier because of these things that happen. Unfortunately, a lot of the time, when you have, a, 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 and I don't want to mention any particular a, a, a type of investors, but a lot of the time you realize that what comes to, what happens is exploitation. So people will come from around the world, come and do the exploit. And African partnerships, like I mentioned on the diaspora. Hello? Yeah, I hear you. Hello? I got you. Yeah, I hear you. Oh, okay. So at what point did you, did I lose you? I heard, you know, um, Africa being exploited. And, right. Yeah, yeah, and I hear you kind of, you know, dancing around being political. And I, I get it. You want to you wanna stay in the good graces of... Um, the, the politics and all the future funders, because you never know where your blessing will come. But, you know, but part of not being exploited is for folks uh-huh. to talk about it openly and say, this is what happened. I'm not telling you something that uh-huh. I've heard. I, I'm telling you something uh-huh. that I've seen, because this is my issue. Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. And, I, and I deal with the elders who sometimes we get frustrated uh-huh. with. And they say, why shouldn't uh-huh. we deal with the Chinese when the West comes in, they do a bunch of capacity building. At least when China comes mm-hmm. in, roads get built. Things get built, oh. Things are coming. The West will spend mm-hmm. more money on capacity building. But if we do, and when we do see a problem, because I can see a lot, of, mm-hmm. a lot of greatness with the connection, if the deals are mm-hmm. done right. Um, mm-hmm. and, and only in hindsight do you really know if the deal was done right. So, but if we're not willing to talk about the deals that are being done right now that are wrong, then we mm-hmm. have a problem. But mm-hmm. I get it. I get why you're saying that because it's different when you're living in Africa and you might get that knock on the door versus me being in America saying free Southern Cameroon, uh, Amba boys, come, you mm-hmm. know. Um, so I, I, I definitely, it, it's different, but I travel all over and I never change my stance. Mm-hmm. So, um, mm-hmm. it, no, but but Kellen, I think that at the point where you lost me was where I was really going home with it. I really don't care um, when when we are telling the story of Africa rising because my question is always who is benefiting. So at the end of the day, development must benefit the people in the places where that development is happening. Otherwise, it's not necessary. Otherwise, it's exploitation. And I was talking about how in building our industries, in, in, in building the critical, that we are not just about how we are. Can you hear me? I oh, hear you Hello? Now. Yeah, I hear you oh. now. Okay. It looks, like, it looks like the internet doesn't like this conversation, this part of the conversation. You know but I'm 100% you know with you. <laughs> I am 100% with you on this. Africa needs to be built by Africa, by people of black descent for Africa. Otherwise, we might as well not build it. Otherwise, it will just be exploitation. So I am a hundred, one hundred percent with you on this. Okay. I, I, I love it. I love it. I love it. We got that part clear. You know, the, the powers that be don't like this type of conversation at all. <laughs> 
you know, there's a lot of people who think you guys should be begging people to come and help you. No. But we have the talent. We, we just have to build up the talent and give the skills. Yeah. The talent is there. And yes. um, I could go somewhere totally different, again, when I talk about Black Americans, because Black Americans come in as if they could fix it overnight and don't even know mm. who the last two presidents were. And, <laughs> and so I know you, you, you know, you, you did a very good job when I first went that way of being, hey, Africans are welcome to come home. I'm saying this, people, if you come to a place, you need to know the history. You might need to know some mm-hmm. tree. Uh, you might mm-hmm. need to know the, you know, the currency between the USD and the CD. Mm-hmm. Let me ask mm-hmm. you this, because this is why mm-hmm. we connected. You mm-hmm. were a Mandela Washington Fellow. For those who don't know, mm-hmm. I want you to Google Mandela Washington Fellowship <laughs> and know that over 4,000 people uh, apply mm-hmm. for this. Um, you know, mm-hmm. I think it was like maybe 700 maybe mm-hmm. yeah. have gotten it. I need to know what this fellowship has been to you, what it's all about, and how it's helped you, not just as a business owner, but as a person. Mm-hmm. Great. Wonderful question. So, um, first of all, like I mentioned, the, the, the fellowship this year is virtual. And when we were applying, we didn't know that it was virtual. So once we were told that it was going to be virtual because of the pandemic, we felt like, oh, we are not going to get the full experience. But let me tell you that this has been, and we are in the fifth week right now, this has been one of the greatest experiences of my life. First of all, for me, being able to connect with 700 other Africans from all over the continent who think the right thoughts. It's such an enriching and uplifting experience because then you realize that we are in the right place and that the continent is going to be in the right hands, that the young people are looking for the right things, that we believe in the continent, we believe that we can be successful here and we are willing to put in the time and the work that it will take. That has been one of the greatest things for me, just being able to, to, to connect with African, young African leaders across the continent and share what our thoughts are and share our frustrations as well and share our dreams and together find the solutions to the problems that we are working on. That has been incredible. In terms of so what the, um, the fellowship has, it has four main pillars. I am on the business track, which means that I'm being given, I'm taking through courses on how to build business rights, and and the course content is great. But there's also the leadership part that's really focusing on how how to leverage on our strengths to build, to become better leaders for the organizations that we lead and the spaces that we exist in. The other thing that's really wonderful about the fellowship is that it's not just for entrepreneurs, it's also for people who work in public sector. And anyone who has been to Africa knows that our public sectors, that's where most of the problems happen. So to have that situation where people working in the public sector who have the right mindsets are being trained on how to grow as leaders so that they can transform the public sector in the various countries, that's that's incredible. Now, For us as a business, like I've said, our focus and our target is really clothing Africans in Africa as well as the international Black community. So the other thing that the fellowship has done for me 
is to help me to be able to network and know. So, for example, we've always been very interested in building a relationship with HBCUs. And here I am, I've been placed with Clark Atlanta University, which means that we are able to have conversations and know exactly what the roadmap should be after the fellowship in creating a relationship with the student body and the alumni. So wonderful opportunity, absolutely fantastic. And we thank Miss Valerie Harris at Clark and Dr. Mespin for putting yes. in the hard work and even putting yes. this together. Um, you know, yes. I've got Miss Dalita Moye. Yes. All of it. Yeah, yeah. Keep no, give all the shout outs because I'm just, you know, yes. I, I want everybody. Yeah, talk about everybody who has, you know, been Yes, please. So, so first of all, let me say big shout out to all the other fellows. It's been an interesting time. We are the first that's doing the fellowship in a virtual way. So we are having to combine the fellowship with work and life as it happens. And so shout out to all of us. It's been an interesting five weeks and, and congrats to all of us because it, it, we've had to put in a lot of work. I'd like to really thank the, the U.S. Embassy here in Ghana that does all the interviewing. I don't know what the process is, but everyone that you speak to, you realize, wow, that process, it was, it was really good in, in being able to select people whose hearts and minds are in the right place. And then I'd also like to thank Clark Atlanta University. So I am so excited that I was placed there because every time we speak to, so we've had the opportunity to have a session with the president and the vice president, who, um, Dr. Welsh. And when Dr. Welsh speaks about her passion for Africa, like it's so tangible. Um, and, and then to Dr. Bazuna, to um, Dalita Moye, to Miss Valerie Harris, to my coach, um, Mava Lewis, to, to uh, um, Davin Amari, and all of the staff that are working so hard to ensure that although this is a virtual program, the content and the experience and the benefits that we are getting out of the fellowship, it's as real as, as, as it comes. So wonderful opportunity. We are very, very grateful. You guys have got the game. And if you go look in the description box, you will see wearegana.com, the link. Go there, follow them on Instagram, on all the social media. You know, we're going to talk offline about, you know, when are they going to go to YouTube and maybe their own podcast and show. But that will be mm -hmm. offline topic, you know, you'll see later in life. I thank you, Abena, for coming on. Thank you so much. Thank you. And I'm very interested in your course on, on coming to Africa for the first time. Please let me know how we can partner on this. Um, because like I said, everyone will benefit from this, from working together. Thank you. You're going to get that. And, you know, you brought me back into modeling. I knew it was going to be an African company. So, you guys, I'm back. <laughs> <laughs> Hi everyone, have you ever been curious about visiting Africa? Which African country were you interested in? Kenya, Nigeria, Uganda, South Africa, Ethiopia? Which country are you interested in? My good friend, Kellen Cash Coleman, 
came up with a course called My First Trip to Africa that'll guide you through this process. It's only $20, and in this course, you'll learn about passports, visas, vaccinations that you need before you go there, as well as a budget, uh, how much the trip is going to cost. He also talks about what you should pack, uh, what you should take with you, how you should travel on a budget. Did you know that $100 US dollars is worth a thousand South African rand? and over 10,000 Kenyan shillings. So imagine what you can do with $100 back home. I say back home because I'm from Sudan, I'm African, I already know how it's like. I know that, you know, when you convert Canadian and American money, it goes a long way when you're traveling across Africa. So if you're curious, um, if, if Africa is a place that you've always wanted to go, always wanted to move there, Kellen Cash is the person to ask. Check out the course. There's a little preview you can listen to um, before you actually purchase it. If you're interested in this course, visit www.diversifiedgame.com. Don't miss out. Thanks for getting in the game and listening to the Diversified Game Podcast with Kellen, the number one show pairing entrepreneurship with diverse and inclusive perspectives like wine and cheese, bagel and locks, fish and grits. Be sure to visit DiversifiedGame.com for all the good stuff. Join in the conversation and discover more content.